I'm Ben Klunt. And I'm Stephen Brown. In 2019, we started this podcast as an accountability tool for our health and our business goals. Through our discussions, interviews, and sharing of our successes and difficulties, we've learned we have a passion for leadership. In 2020, we're striving to grow our own leadership abilities by focusing on learning from great leaders in business and life, and continue to share our successes and struggles on this journey. We'll continue to have raw and candid conversations while sharing our own insights and experiences with our goal being to grow as leaders and as people. You're You're listening listening to Ordinary to Extraordinary. I'm Ben Clunt. This is my Scottish friend, Stephen Brown, and we are recording remotely right now. He is at his apartment. I am at my house. This is going to be a pretty fun episode. I'm excited for this. We're going to have some rapid fire questions, he and I, against each other. I say against, like it's going to be a competition or something like that. It's not really. They're meant to be fun, but we're also going to celebrate the fact that it is our 100th episode I can't believe we come up with shit to talk about for 100 episodes so far, Stephen. Well, a lot of it's absolutely But not the stuff that we're going to share after this, because it's about, you know, a minute or two or three, depending on which one you're going to hear, of our past interviewees sharing a little bit about what 2020 uh, has kind of led them to believe, how it's affected them, some of the ways that they've changed, what they've learned, and how they've grown in their own leadership capabilities. So... Hopefully you guys enjoy uh, those little tidbits of wisdom, if you will, and then the, the uh, Ben and Stephen banter that follows. I say banter. It's really just Q&A. Meant to be funny. Yeah. Stephen has a beer. I'm drinking yeah. bubbly. I'll probably take an intermission break at some point and get a beverage. At, at this point, uh, maybe we'll jump into the one minute little tidbits of wisdom for folks. Have you got anything to say, Stephen? Um, no, I think I'm going to have some post-production stuff to do. Yeah, I was thinking that too. We're going to have a little bit of like, some people introduce themselves, some people aren't, you know? So it's mm-hmm. like, I was like that, I did our little lead in figuring you're going to have, sadly, say like, Philip Tyler had this to say. Tyler Lafferty checked in and had this to say or something like that. But Yeah, I get to do some recording without Ben. That would be fun. <laughs> Great, <laughs> actually. But yeah, 100 so episodes, we, Benny Boo. How did that happen? 100 times. Uh, sometimes I feel like our podcast is the movie Step Brothers. Did we just become best friends? <laughs> like, so much room for activities. <laughs> also, we weren't recording. Like we I do want to just let everybody know that my comfort level is at like a. Uh, two out of 10 right now, not because of the questions Ben's going to ask me, because I'm kind of technically inside the Clunt bedroom. Ben is recording in his bedroom, and I can see, quote unquote, where the magic happens, and I'm not comfortable with this. But I'm sitting in a chair in our bedroom. You just happen to see a portion of the bed behind me. And it's there's everything's put away, so it's all good. Yeah, it's all fancy and put away and beautiful. You'll make, somebody a good, you'll make somebody a good wife one day, Ben. And I made the bed, too. 
Are you proud of me? Put the pillows, the decorative pillows up and everything. All right. This is going to be fun. It's just Stephen now. I'm recording this after the fact without Ben. And we're going to jump in to some of the messages we got from previous guests. And we thought this would be kind of fun just to get a little one to two minute breakdown of what they've learned in 2020, how things have been for them and what advice they would give for you guys. So first up is Miss Rachel Rowley, who is one of my absolute favourite guests. She is always a hoot to spend time with, get to have coffee with her every now and again, and she couldn't stick to the rules, which is pretty standard for Rachel. So she went like two and a half, three minutes, but it's good. It's good advice. Enjoy. Hey guys, I am shooting this for my buddies at O2E2. They asked me to take a second and look at 2020. I tried to do this before, didn't get under a minute. Um, my vision, what it's taught me, what I've struggled with, what are tools that I've used. So the biggest tool I've used in 2020 is my recovery. Uh, I go to AA regularly. They really pulled through. It brought a bunch of us girls that got sober a long time, uh, a long time ago, over 14 years ago, back together. Uh, so we're spread out throughout the country. And without them, I don't know where I'd be. So what has 2020 taught me? Um, humility. 2020's taught me that it's not what I do, it's how I do it. It's who I am, no matter what the environment that I'm showing up in. Um, I lost a lot of jobs. I lost a lot of money. I lost a marriage. Um, I lost my physical capabilities, blew out my knee. And uh, it's all good stuff is what I learned. Like, it was fucking horrible. Um, every time I went through it, wondering, like, am I going to recover from this? Am I going to be able to get through this? And what 2020 has taught me is that I've done the work over the years um, to get through things. And hard stuff sucks and that I am capable. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing 2020 has taught me is how to soften and how to detach. I've learned how codependent I am, how much I've relied on other people's opinions of me, what they think of me, how they view me. Um, and 2020, without my permission, ripped that right out of my hands. Like I had no choice. I felt like um, there's always a choice. I don't want to speak victimese, but I felt like I had no choice other than to um, let go or be dragged as we say in recovery. And I either needed to let go of the idea of what people thought about me and um, falling from grace, right? Like who the hell am I? Well, spin grace, you know, like <laughs> social media shit. Um, I learned what really doesn't matter, what doesn't carry me. And I learned I can trust myself. I'm well over a minute again. Man, I can trust myself today. This from a girl who used to drink herself to oblivion, put herself in horrible positions, smoke cigarettes, do stupid shit to just tear my life apart. Um, is showing up in really big ways for herself, uh, no matter what it is. Bank account balance, pant size, activity level, uh, social status, all of that's been highly threatened in 2020. Um, some of it completely stripped. And what I have found is that I, I will show up for me. And if I can do that, holy shit, anything's possible. The fear goes away, the doubt goes away, the panic goes away, and I'm able just to be in whatever. I don't have to like it. I don't have to prefer it. Uh, but it will not kill me and it will not take me out. And from there, when I soften to that, it's it's incredible what I can do and what I'm willing to do to show up for myself. So that's what I learned about 2020 is how to love myself without all the labels, um, to shut the fuck up. You know, like a lot of people did not shut the fuck up this year. And I got to see how ugly that looks. And that used to be me, I had opinions about everything. And so, sorry if you're one of them, but shut the fuck up. That's what I learned in 2020. Sometimes just don't say anything. Um, be kind. Shutting up is kind. 
<laughs> so, uh, sorry, I had to say that in there. And we're now at three minutes, so I am going to shut the fuck up. All right, bye, guys. Rachel's great, isn't she? All right, so then we, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, we had uh, Sean Wheeler on. He's a law enforcement officer. He's got a lot going on. He's actually just made lieutenant, which is awesome. So he had this to say about 2020. What's going on? Ordinary, extraordinary. Hey, this year has been very challenging. I think we can all agree upon. Uh, but I think that has brought a lot of growth in a lot of different areas, especially in my own personal uh, leadership path. Um, excited about the future. Uh, it's allowed me to challenge myself, create better self-discipline. And I think the most important part is it's allowed me to get up every day, make sure that I kind of check myself mentally and understand that the world around me is something that I just necessarily can't control, but I got to bring a positive attitude every day because I know it will affect all those around me. So I think the biggest thing that I've learned this year is stay positive it has a direct impact on all those around you and together we'll get through this and uh, be stronger on the other end take care i'm really kind of having fun with this it's good just to see some of our previous guests a lot of them are our friends as well so philip tyler you might remember he is a very gracious gentleman he had this to say about 2020 hey you know this year 2020 has been a challenge but it's been a challenge for us all so how do we survive and thrive? This isolation tested us, but the test exam, if you will, was examining how you stay connected. And by that, I mean, if your standard was text, then call. If you called, then Zoom, Skype, or FaceTime. See, then we can hear and or see those who we like, love, and want to stay connected to. The proven value and benefits of a familiar voice or a smile is immeasurable in our current times. Isn't that the truth? How easy it is to lose connection with uh, those that we, we care about the most. So next up is Tyler Dickerhoof. Here we go. Hey there, this is Tyler Dickerhoof. And uh, you guys may have heard an episode that I had with Steven maybe about a year or so ago or earlier this year something like that with my wife, Kelly. But I'm so excited to be able to share here for the 100th episode. I'm proud of you, Ben. Proud of you, Stephen, for all that you've done. And, and they asked me to reflect back on 2020. And I said, you know, for me, it's perfect vision. Here's a twist. You know, it's forced us to come to grips with realities that were fuzzy. We didn't care for our health. We took liberties and relationships for granted. We assumed way too much. We put our positions, ourselves maybe in positions of concern. We didn't see problems that were there all along because of they were camouflaged with greed and ignorance, whatever it may be. 2020 has been a year of resilient and those that rise above. Those that have decided to see opportunities disguised in problems. It's been a year to recognize what is truly important and value those areas that we have taken for granted. We can't walk alone in this life and we weren't meant to. So as you look back on 2020 and head into 2021, I remind you of the old age, age old adage, hindsight is always 2020 and reflect back and look at 2020 
and say, hey, I need to make some changes. When we reached out to people, we genuinely didn't expect uh, such pr profound responses. You know, Tyler kind of uh, really is a, a really pragmatic, profound speaker, uh, and I enjoy him. So we're really getting into the uh, what we're trying to do here with a podcast. I get to record without Ben as well, which is super cool. He's not trying to interrupt me. He's not making funny noises or playing with a soundboard. But this has been fun. So next up is another Tyler, Tyler Lafferty. He actually knows Tyler Diggerhoof pretty well. He's got a few companies here in town. He was actually our first podcast guest that Ben set up for us. So here's what Tyler had to say about 2020. Hey, what's up? I'm Tyler Lafferty. And one of the things I've learned over this crazy time in 2020 from a management and leadership standpoint is that I need to be a lot more diligent in reaching out to my staff and ensuring that they know that I see the good work they're doing on a regular basis, even though we're remote. Before when we were together, we were seeing it you know, on a day-to-day -day basis in the office. And now that we're remote and we're still doing all this great work, we're not getting the chance to see one another and, and ensure that you know we're passing along that good work and saying, hey, I see the work you're doing and I'm grateful for it. So I've been a lot more diligent, whether it's text, email, one-on-one uh, -on -one Zooms to ensure that people know that I see it and that we as leadership and management see it and we're so grateful for that effort. So trying to be more diligent in that and, and ensuring people know that we see it and we're grateful uh, has been really important. I mean, from a mental health standpoint, from all of that, these crazy times that I'm feeling, that everyone's feeling, but to know that, hey, you are adding value to this organization and I want to let you know that I see it and I'm so grateful and appreciate it um, with the utmost for our organization. So. That's old learning that I've had this year, and I'm doing the best I can to ensure that I keep that going uh, for years to come. Well, since both Tyler's decided to be all uh, profound and, and uh, serious, we thought we'd throw in some fun here. I don't know if you guys remember Mark Smith. So Mark Smith's a guy who I worked with early on in my soccer career in Wisconsin. We had him on. He told some stories about when we were... Uh, running around Wisconsin together. He's uh, up in Michigan now. He has built his dream home with his wife. He's retired, and he's got some uh, fun retirement projects to focus on. But here's what here's what Mark had to say, and he made Ben and I both laugh with this one. Hey, good morning, you guys. Greetings from Michigan. Congratulations on the success of your ordinary to extraordinary journey. As you uh, asked, I think this is a fascinating time to be alive. We are given the rare opportunity to live history. This is an opportunity for us, especially here in Michigan, with this uh, forced isolation to take a hard look inside ourselves. This is a chance for us to improve our knowledge, uh, our minds, our health, all aspects of your life. It kind of reminds you uh, what we're going through in the book of James, I believe, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces perseverance. Let your perseverance be perfect so that we develop perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Tecumseh tells us, when you arise in the morning, give thanks for the food and for the joy of living. If you see no reason to give thanks, the fault lies only with yourself. You guys go out and make today the best day of your life. Have fun. Act like a three-year-old first thing in the morning with your hair on fire, guys. See you later. <laughs> There's a visual, huh? Act like a three-year-old with your head on fire first thing in the morning. I think if we all did that a little more often, we might laugh. All right, on to Jason Swain, who's here locally. Jason gets to lead a local credit union. He also does uh, seminars and 
leadership training for a bunch of different companies. So he had this to say about 2020. Hi, Ordinary to Extraordinary listeners. Jason Swain from Symbio Leadership. How has my leadership been challenged in 2020? Well, for over 20 years, I've been helping leaders uh, in organizations put human nature to work. And by that, I mean create organizational environments and cultures that are aligned with the way people naturally perform and relate. Kind of hard to do that when people don't actually come to work anymore, or so I thought. Uh, like all of you, I've had to figure out how to completely reimagine and recreate how I do my work so that it would translate to an online or virtual format. And turns out it's never been more important for people to maintain a sense of connection, alignment, cohesion, and commitment to their workplaces. It's just a reminder that what you do and how you do it will constantly change. But if your mission and purpose is clear, that thing that unites you never has to change and can always guide and inform everything you do and how you do it. And through that, you can weather pretty much any storm. As this has been done, it really is a good reminder for me, and I'm sure Ben and I will talk about this in our next podcast as well, just how quality the guests we have had on over the last two years have been. So wanted to continue. This is uh, Cindy Wendell, who you may remember was a former, she tried to run for uh, city uh, council president and narrowly, narrowly lost. But local business owner, super involved in the community. And here's what she had to say about 2020. COVID, staying strong, leading teams. Oh my gosh. Uh, the best word I think that comes to my mind when I think about how we make it and how we've done is giving each other grace and connecting. Any chance we can get to build some connection with someone, the eye contact with a stranger as you're crossing the street, um, our friends, the phone calls, the texts, the hugs with our loved ones, just knowing that we're there for each other and trying to show up and also showing ourselves as uh, I think weaker actually than stronger showing our weakness is actually what has brought us collective strength. I know when I'm leading my teams on all these Zoom meetings, I try to build in some just random goofy times. I try to honestly share some of the, my failures and the things that I'm not doing well, more so now than I've ever done before. It's almost like I want us to giggle and talk about the things that we're not doing well or that um, we feel we're falling short in because I think that's building more connection with people not in a complaining way, just in a way that says, you know what, we're all together in this. We're all going to be imperfect, but we're gonna do this together. And I think that helps connect us to each other. So being connected and giving each other grace, two of the best ways I think to forge ahead into 2021 as we take the lessons of 2020 with us. Isn't that great? stay connected and give each other grace those are things that you probably hear from ben and i a lot we're always talking about giving people grace so that was cindy wendell last one this is jordan tampion jordan actually got this to as late but i had scheduled the podcast to go live a little later so we're going to include it i wish we really could have got all of our former guests to do this but we did short notice reached out to some people and i'm really pleased with the cross-section we got so this is jordan tampion uh, co-owner of Four Degrees Real Estate, very involved in a bunch of projects here in Spokane, and he just loves Spokane. Here's what he had to say about 2020 for us. Wow, what a year 2020's been, right? Who could have ever predicted this? You go in with a vision, a plan, how you see things working out, 
And then I think it was a Mike Tyson quote that said, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. And I feel like we were punched in the face. But I think through it, you're finding the resiliency that doesn't always get shown unless you're tested. And so when we're looking at it, we're continually looking for opportunities. Like where do we see opportunities in this? What are some planning things around if this continues or continues to happen again? And so what it's challenged us to do is not just get comfortable with the traditional plan, but really look for opportunities to grow and really meet the new need that people have. So for all the things that 2020 isn't, one thing it really has challenged us to do is find the opportunity, stay positive, and really be grateful for this amazing community that supports us. And that awesome. Seriously, this has been a really fun little project for me to do on my own. Not that I don't like doing things with Ben, but just seeing these again, because I've watched them all already, but putting them together here for the podcast, for this section of it, this has been great. So we're going to go back to the podcast now, Ben and I asking each other questions. Uh, here you go. What insightful wisdom that came out of those little tidbits of knowledge. Now, Stephen, let's get into the, <laughs> to the question. Stop that shit. Yeah. <laughs> so ben, ben, ben wants to like pre-record and do all this. He wants me to have a bunch of post-edit and work. I want as little post-edit and work as possible. So long story short, you guys will have just listened to a bunch of people say some things about 2020, what they learned, some of them. I think my favorite was, um, and I only know this because she sent it directly to me, is uh, Rachel Rowley called it O2E2. I was like, oh shit, it's like R2D2. Oh, <laughs> R2D2, O2E2. It's like, come on, Rachel, you freaking have a coffee with Stephen every week. Yeah. So I think that one cracked me up because we're the O2E2 guys. Yeah. And I'm not sure what that second one is, but you know, whatever. Yeah, it's a couple. She sent us a few, so um, we'll, uh, we'll um, deal with it and we'll make it sound good. But yeah, so Ben and I are going to ask each other some questions, and Ben was pretty nervous, um, and he thinks he's uh, going to make me squirm a little bit, I believe, right? Nah, not squirm. Maybe buttfucker. This, this is kind of a throwback to when we interviewed each other way back. Do you remember that in the first year? Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. I do remember that. I interviewed you and you interviewed me and those were pretty deep actually. Especially since I think when you interviewed me, I just was in the process of breaking up with somebody. We've had some pretty emotional uh, conversation between the two of us actually. Yeah, I don't have emotions, so I don't know what you're talking about. You're such a lying sack of shit. <laughs> <laughs> This 100th episode is going to be pretty loose and freeform here, as you can tell. But yeah, I got a beer in my hand. Ben has something in his hand. It's a bubbly. Oh. Yeah, there's Any no water? alcohol in that. No, there's not, which is why I said I might have taken intermission when I'm done with that. But It's really so, strange that I have a beer in my hand and you don't. Yeah, I know. That is odd. That is odd. Can't you just yell and be like, hey, Lauren, bring me a beer. No, she's not here. She's with the boys and her parents. Oh, okay. They swing by on the on the way home from daycare to say hello. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. So, Stephen, would you like to go first, or do you want me to? I don't care. Why don't you go first? Do you have a long list of questions? 
Yeah, I threw some questions together. They're just kind of oh, fun. We're going to do eight. <laughs> All right, so do you want me to pick eight or do you want to pick numbers? Let's do it however you want to do it. All right, here's what I'm going to ask you then. Question one, and this probably will catch you off guard. What is the best thing that's happened to you this year and why is it the best thing? And I'm going to preface this and say, let's not talk about the fact that you had a kid. Well, that oh, should be the fair. best thing. So outside of having yeah. a child, what was the best thing that happened to you? Okay. Outside, I was like, well, that's going to be an easy one. I mean, having my second son, that's pretty, pretty much the best thing that's happened this year. I would say the best thing that's happened this year to me, honestly, is uh, something we're going to talk about in the episode following this. And I guess I'll come out of it now in the 100th episode too, is the fact that I started going seeing a psychologist, like somebody to help me get my mental health in order. So, and not that I'm struggling mentally, but like I will say in the episode following this one that we actually recorded prior is uh, I feel like we're all supercars and supercars need tune-ups every once in a while. So I went in for a tune-up and uh, because of that, I'm feeling pretty mentally strong. Nice. I like it. Um, also, we probably should have caveated this. We're trying to keep the answers short and sharp and to the point. So we're not going to talk. Yeah, bitter too. Yeah. We're, um, hold on. This is going to be awful. I have to burp because of the beer. Okay. Ready for my question? Oh, we're going back and forward. All right, go for it. Yeah, yeah. So Hit me. you had mentioned in the past that you were in Boy Scouts, right? Mm-hmm. And so... What was your favorite trip that you took while you were Boy Scouts? Um, well, I have a regret about that. I actually left the Scouts when I was 18. And it was about six months before I, I would have gone to like the worldwide jamboree thing. Um, the yeah. Scout and jamboree and I didn't. But um, no, the best was probably, we used to go to a place called um, Loch Goylehead. Um, and it was everything from kayaking to mountain climbing to snorkeling to fishing all of it and i actually got the nickname as the last boy scout because multiple times when we were on expeditions i got lost and found my way back myself like before <laughs> everybody like always blazing my own trail one rule about how you're supposed to like stay in one spot so they can all come find you I, at that point i hadn't learned that you can go further together i just was like Oh, you guys are slow and I'm going to go on ahead. And yeah. So I, uh, <laughs> one, one of the expeditions I actually climbed through a thorny bush to take a quote unquote shortcut. And that's where I realized that if it was easy, it wouldn't be a shortcut. It would just be the way. <laughs> yeah. As you were pulling thorns out, you took us. Yeah, I was, my legs were destroyed. So, <laughs> so going um, back and forth. Hit me, hit me, hit me. Look, look who's calling me. No, you can't talk right now. We're busy, Ricky. Yeah, Rick Welver's calling me. He's going to give us a video for for this. So, this is all like Inception stuff. Like he's calling me to have a a recording that's going to be before this. Like we've just <laughs> but released in the future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right i kind of ask this to some guests but i'm going to ask it of you in a kind of different way if you could teach so we're not asking you what 
you would put in a curriculum. If you could teach one thing at school, what would it be and why? I could teach one thing at school. Uh, I mean, it would probably be something along the lines of finance just because it's what I know. It, I mean, it's kind of a boring. Schools boring. don't teach that though. Schools just teach kids it's okay. <laughs> you can borrow as much as you want. So, so do I have to pick one of the current things? <laughs> Home ec. Says I know how to make a bed. <laughs> Race car driving. Yeah. yeah. It'd probably be finance, you know, something like that. It probably it wouldn't be math in the traditional sense because I actually was not good at math as a kid. Like I got C's in a lot of my math classes. I, I guess I wasn't like, I didn't excel at math is a better way to put it. Uh, so it's funny that my degree is actually in accounting and I work in finance in that those were usually uh, math was actually some of my worst grades in, you know, K-12 education. <laughs> Can I jump in there and say that math as they teach it in high school and college is really ridiculous. Unless you're going to be a physicist or an engineer, there's no need for quadratics. And one of the worst arguments I ever got in with a teacher and actually ended up getting sent home from school was I refused to do homework for the better part of three days. And on the third day he sent me to the principal and I got sent home because <laughs> the argument was over, uh, I told the teacher, if you can give me a practical, real-world application for a quadratic equation that I will use in my life, I'll do the homework. And he, he was talking about physicists and engineers, and I was like, I'm not going to do any of that shit. So that's not practical for me. So I'm not doing this homework, period. <laughs> and Stephen got an S, yeah. Yeah, no, I passed all my, my, my math exams that I had to. Um, but yeah, quadratics, okay. not so much. We're going off script. Yes, sorry. That's what we you do. Have how many brothers? How many brothers do you have? Five of them. You have five brothers, no sisters, right? All brothers. Had a little sister, but she died when I was a year old. Her name was Roisin. Oh, okay. Well, now you had to get all emotional there. But no, it's, <laughs> that is what it is. Okay, so back to the brothers, though. The five brothers, your poor mother, for one. But. Of the five brothers, I know you love all of your brothers, right? You love all your brothers, family members. You love them. Sometimes you hate them, but you love them. Who would be your favorite brother and why? Kevin. Who? Kevin. Kevin? That was really quick. <laughs> I've told them this. <laughs> really? <laughs> so why Kevin? I'm number three. Kevin's number four. So he's one younger than me. Um, his sense of humor gets me he gets me i get him uh kevin's the one i think i posted just a couple of weeks ago i'm going to keep this short just a couple of weeks ago that i met up with him in new york so he was in annapolis doing some stuff he basically builds ships for a living he's a project manager for bae systems so they build warships and oil tankers and such um he also i think in terms of well, actually david was probably as good at soccer as kevin was but in terms of athletics and being really good at it, he and I were probably the ones that went as high as we could in our sports, so we have that in common. Um, he's the one that's got the two little girls, Thea and Anna. I just adore them. So, yeah, Kevin's my favorite. Sorry to the other brothers that listen, but them's the facts. Them's the facts. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't hesitate on that answer, did I? No, you did not. You did not. So, All right. What is something 
Benny Boo that you are sick and tired of and you would like to see go away forever? Hmm, something I'm sick and tired of. I mean, it, we kind of talked about it in a couple episodes ago, which is not totally always PC, but it's just like general sensitivity. That makes any sense. Such. Yeah. It's like the, the, yeah, it's like I'd love to see just the, the you're not my opinion, so you're wrong attitude die, right? I mean, that's not what we were built upon as a country. Uh, I mean, differing opinions are what built the country. That's the whole melting pot idea, right? So I, I think a return to the respect uh, of differing opinions is what I would love to see. And doing away with the, if you don't agree with me, you're against me fundamentally uh, on every area of my life, including values. So you're the devil, right? It's like, okay, wow, we really, we've really gone, uh, we've really gone a long ways. Like, the fact that you can damage other people's property because they believe something different than you uh, is something I don't understand and probably never will. Yeah. And a uh, public service announcement that was not political in any way, shape or form. It's just a fact. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's not even a fact. It's an opinion of what Ben believes to be fact. Um, and I can't disagree with you. I actually thought that might be where you went with that answer, but I wanted to ask it anyway. Um, I like it. It's, okay. It's kind of a fun question. It is. So we're going to say you find yourself unemployed. Stephen no longer has a job. He is in his apartment, drinking his beer, unemployed. What are you going to do? If you had to switch jobs, go find a new job, what would it be? Can I go backwards or is it something I've never done? Whatever you want to be. You're um, starting over. Ooh, let's think. So don't count the thinking time in the two minutes or less answer. Um, I think I would be... So you said I'm broke. I have no money. No, just, just right now, basically. You find yourself unemployed. I would probably... Go and find a bar that's recently shut down and open my own bar restaurant and do an Irish concept because without naming any of them in town, I don't think there's a good Irish slash Scottish slash British bar. Um, one, the, the most recent one that opened up not far from where I live is probably the one I think does it the best, but it's still very not what I think. So bars and restaurants have been something I've been involved in here my whole life probably from a younger age, but more so in the last five years, because that's a big part of my portfolio. So I'd probably move into that space and do it well, I think. Yeah, I like it, but cool, okay. All right, Ben. <laughs> Here we go. This one is gonna speak volumes, and I think I'm intrigued about your answers, because it's a two-part two answer. I oh, want you to, from a, an introspective level, tell me your biggest strength and your biggest weakness. I mean, they could almost be one and the same, if I'm being honest. Uh, I, it, it, my biggest strength is probably my biggest weakness in that it's, because uh, I was talking about this with my psychologist, is that I think what's made me uh, as 
I'm doing air quotes, as successful as I am, right? Because success is relative. Uh, as successful as I am is the fact that I'm critical, right? And we, I've talked about this before, and I'm critical of myself. But that's also pushed me to compete and to, you know, build a business and, and, and do the best I can. But that's also sometimes reflected on other people in the fact that sometimes I can lack empathy or uh, sympathy for folks because uh, I feel like they should just suck it up and, you know, get it done. So uh, I think that's almost a two for one thing. Yeah. Funnily enough, I thought about this and I won't say what my biggest strengths or weaknesses were. You might have to wait for another episode for that. But I feel that that would be a common answer for most people that their biggest strength is their biggest weakness also. Um, yeah. And I think it's funny how they come hand. I think more, it's kind of this weird duality that often it can create this, you know what your biggest strength is, so you almost rest on your laurels and don't push to be better, right? Yeah. Yeah. So good answer. I like that, Ben. Good. I'm glad you appreciate my answer, Stephen. I don't appreciate okay. all of them. <laughs> I wouldn't expect you to. <laughs> ready for this one you're 15 years old you're 15 years old right looking okay. back at 15 year old steven you've got a vision and a plan for what your life is going to look like maybe hopefully because that's where my question's going where did you want to live and what were you doing for a job at 15 years old my ideal job was to be a where did you get this question from by the way just made it up Huh. Why? I'm just curious. Um, All of these I just made up. So I uh, I wanted to be a PE teacher, and I didn't think I would ever leave Scotland full time. And I was going to be in my hometown essentially. I, I thought maybe I would live in Glasgow, which is 20 minutes away from from where my, I grew up. But yeah, I didn't. I thought I was going to go to Jordan Hill College, become a PE teacher, and teach kids how to run and jump and throw and catch and kick. in your hometown yeah yeah maybe the hometown part maybe not so much I, I, I just didn't see myself leaving Scotland um, <clears throat> and I would go a step further and say that right up until the day I left to come to the USA the first time I was actually dating someone and me coming to the USA was actually born off of her deciding she wanted to go and study in France for a year so I was like well fuck that. Like if you're going somewhere, I'm going somewhere for the summer. Um, so technically speaking, when I first landed in the US, I still had a girlfriend and in Scotland. Yes. Well in Scotland and then France. And then I was like, yeah, no, done. Not coming home. <laughs> Where's she at now? She is a lawyer in Glasgow married with two kids. Um, oh, yeah. I ran into her actually the last time I was home, I ran into her in a bar and it was kind of like, oh shit. And I think we were kind of like, yeah, childhood sweethearts, I guess. Teen sweethearts. Yeah. Um, oh. So, yeah. Oh, it's my turn. I get to ask. Did <laughs> you go for a sip of your beer? <laughs> um, all right. This one, I think we might get some profundities. Um, the other ones haven't been? No. So I'm going to give you three. I want three things that you will impart to your children in terms of wisdom, knowledge, advice. 
Go. So three things. Uh, well, the first thing I always say as a parent, like if you ask me, it's like, what, what are your hopes for your parent? Is that you want them to grow up and be a productive member of society and for them to be happy, right? At the end of the day, that's, that's like the foundation, I'd say. It's like productive member of society and that they're happy. Um, so I think the three things that I would say is, is just that. It's like work really hard to be a productive member of society, right? Take, take risks uh, in the areas that you are passionate about, which goes to the second point. Do things that you're passionate about that make you happy because burnout is real. I tell folks in finance, like don't get into finance uh, if you're not passionate about it because it will chew you up and spit you out, right? Don't do it for the money. Uh, it'll kill you. So uh, work hard in areas that you're passionate about that may, you know, that are going to bring joy to your life. And then uh, third, it was really, uh, I kind of alluded to it is take risks, honestly, and take them early. Uh, I, I was talking with a group. It was like, and someone told me this when I was young and I thought it was really like fail, fail fast and fail quick. Right. It's like get the failures out of the way quick. So, uh, and, and my parents kind of shared that with me when I was graduating college and I was scared to go into uh, finance because it was a fully commissioned job versus going and getting a secure job. And they're like, well, we started our business when we were 27, you know, and I would have been in my early twenties at this point. And mm -hmm. so and they kind of just put it in context. Like if you, if, if you don't make it and you fail, then you fail. Like, and you go get a normal job. Like, so really look at what the worst case scenario is, but take the risks because the risks are the things that are pay off that are going to give real quantitative value to life, I'd say, or quality, yeah, excuse me, qualitative value to life. Nice. Good answers. I like those as well. We didn't even rehearse this. This is good. This is good. Yeah. Yours are more like uh, thoughtful than mine. <laughs> That's because you wrote like five of yours down after we started recording. No, I didn't. I wrote eight of them down prior. I wrote one more down. But some of mine are kind of more fun, but we'll see. So coupled along with the 15-year-old one, this is what I, what I want to, to hear. And I'm going to make it freaking three-part two since you've been doing all these double questions on me and freaking three-part things instead of just one actual question. Is We fast forward now. We were, we were at 15-year-old Steven last time. Now we're at 60-year-old Steven. So you fast forward to when you're 60 years old, you know, five years from now, and where <laughs> Stephen looks, <laughs> your eyes on this Zoom camera. Oh, no, what? Oh, did you? What did you just do to the screen, <laughs> Stephen? That's naughty hand gestures. <laughs> Somewhere to hold okay. his coat. Oh yeah, your nips are poking out. But so we fast forward to 60 years old. I want to know what are the things that you have hoped that you accomplished by the time you're 60, which, you know, your 60 year old bucket list, if you will. And then uh, what was the other part of it? Where do you envision you're going to be? Dead and buried. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think I'll die that young. I certainly don't want to get to the point that I'm old and decrepit though. I, um, that's an interesting duality as well as uh, people live longer now. No, at 60 years old, I hope I have um, had a successful career, had a successful secondary career. Um, so Heartland, I'm planning on doing until I'm 50 or so, retiring and doing something fun, but having lots of little ventures and, and things to um, keep me busy. I hope... Um, I've stayed involved in philanthropy for a long time. 
but for no gain. And I don't need other people to know what I'm in, uh, giving money to or what I'm giving time to. It's just, I don't do it for that. In fact, I think it's one of the seediest and scummiest areas of the world that philanthropy is, oh, let's give this person an award and let's put a plaque here because this person gave us money and shit like that. Like, I don't do any of the things I do, the good things that I do for any kind of recognition. So I hope I've, I've continued that. Um, where will I be? Who the hell knows? Because um, I'm a couple of decisions away from our governor to get in the hell out of Spokane, quite frankly. So um, I, uh, I hope... Well, you just signed a new lease on an apartment, though. <clears throat> yeah, but that's okay. It doesn't <laughs> cost much to break a lease. Um, so I think overall... I would like to have a companion partner, female, obviously. I've not thrown that out. I'm not changing my <laughs> my uh, <laughs> preferences. So, yeah, we, but we'll see. I think I can be happy either way. And I hope I'm still surrounded by good people in, in, in all walks of life, friends, family, um, colleagues, employees, employers. So uh, that's kind of a boring answer. I wish there was more for you. But yeah, what I will go and say, I said I don't want to be old and decrepit. So I was joking when I said I'd be dead and buried. But I also am very serious when I say that, you know, if, if things deteriorate, then I have no qualms. I've, I've, I've got a perfectly healthy relationship with death and don't really want to be a burden on anybody. So I don't think I would have any qualms about ending it. Wow, that's uh, real nice. Hey, it's dark, but it's true. <laughs> okay, thanks for that little tidbit of uh, joy there, Stephen. I'm not saying I'm planning on it. I'm just saying that, you know, I actually, I'll, I'll say this. Um, my mom is obviously my dad's next to kin, and he and I had a good conversation. I think it was one of the times he was here. I can't remember if it was in Chicago or Orlando or one of the times we were having a beer and you know, if he said if he's ever in a vegetative state, he wants the plug pulled and my mom said she wouldn't do it. So he asked if I would and I was like, only if you do it for me too. But hopefully, and you never have to make that decision for me. I want to outlive you by a long way. So get it written out in your healthcare directive. Yeah, well, I think it's uh, it's something that comes, you know, it's definitely an outlook that came from my dad is what I'm kind of seeing there more than anything. Yeah. Your turn. All right. So I feel like this could be a really short answer. So I'm going to go the same route as I've gone before. I want you to tell me the first two things you notice about someone when you meet them. Ooh, first two things. Uh, I mean, going back, there's no one thing. I would say one or two things, honestly. It's usually the, it's whatever off about them is what I notice. Uh, if that makes sense, going back to the critical thing, like I notice the small details immensely. So it's like, if someone in the office gets a haircut, I immediately notice it when I walk in. So it's like, I'm going to notice whatever is different. Or if they have lint on their shoulder, like elbow, shoulder, or whatever, I'm going to notice that. Uh, so there's nothing like, like two things that I notice, right? You I mean, tell if they them? super bright eyes, I'll, I'll notice. Yeah, I tell them. <laughs> Yeah, I tell them, and that's sometimes what gets me in trouble. Yeah. 
<laughs> again, going back to my thing of what I wish would go away is the sensitivity thing. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. You just missed your buttons. Like they're messed up. I was just, just trying yeah. to help you out. You have toilet paper stuck to your shoe. Your shoe. Yeah. I'm just being kind. But yeah, I don't have two things. Just that I'm, I notice stuff. Like whatever it is, it just blatantly shows up. So you notice, you notice negatives before you notice positives. Well, I just said I noticed the haircut. Is a haircut negative? Well, it can and be. And then I compliment. <laughs> <laughs> you really should not have gone with the mohawk. Yeah. yeah, no, I wouldn't say I noticed negatives before I noticed positive. I said I noticed things that are different, right? Okay. Or things that seem out of place, right? Like, okay. oh, that's not normal. Yeah. What do you think I noticed first? Mm, if they lift or not. And their legs. Well, it depends if it's a... Actually, it doesn't. First thing I notice is a pair of shoes. Oh, huh? shoes. And, yeah, I and I judge hard on shoes as well. But yeah, I mean, if it's a female, the next thing I notice is legs for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, you, like, you like legs. Yeah. Okay. Are, are you, it's my turn, right? It is your turn. And I don't know how many we've asked a piece, by the way. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. And I'm going on to my sixth. Okay. So we've asked six a piece because I asked first, I think, right? Yeah. So I want you to go to your vacations that you've taken. And I want you to describe for me the best meal that you've had on vacation. It's not hard. I posted a Where picture. Where were you? What was the environment? So I don't remember exactly, so I have to go to my Instagram, but give me a second. Because um, I always say it this way while you're looking. I always say it's like I, there are a few meals in my life that I can almost describe as like life-changing, right? Like not many, but there are a few, and they've pretty much all been on vacations, right? It's the setting. It's the, it's the whole experience, right? So it's like I want you to paint the picture of the setting in the where did you have this meal? So you're going to be surprised about this because you couldn't pay me to live in this city. Like you, you could offer me a million dollars a day and I wouldn't move to this city currently, but I love to visit it. Portland. Yeah. The (laughs) restaurant is called Ox OX and it is a carnivore's dream come true. And when I say that I cannot give more detail than like I don't know that the expletives exist for me to describe this so I went here and please do not judge me I was in Portland on business my friend in Portland cancelled on me last minute and I had reservations for this place so I went on my own and the uh I'm going to show you a picture if anybody wants to see this, there's actually multiple pictures on my Instagram feed. It's on July 22nd, 2018. Uh, they have a wood fire grill and yeah. it like raises up. And so you see that, like that's the grill. Yeah. And, and they, thing. those things go up and down and they pull the wood out of the top part. And so I'm going to read how I, everything that I had for the meal. And I'm sorry, this is going longer than two minutes probably. But I started with oysters. I had eight oysters. Then I had, as my next starter, spicy braised beef tripe and octopus 
mint aioli and fingerling chips. Um, and then I did a meat platter. So the meat platter had all the meats. And when I tell you what all these meats are, you might be a bit disgusted. So there was grilled short rib, no description needed, house chorizo, Marcella blood sausage, which, oh my God, I love blood sausage, uh, skirt steak, and sweet breads. Ooh, ooh, nice combo. Was so, there anything on the skirt steak? Did they have like a, like a Bernays or something? Or what did they have? Uh, there was some, some herbs over the top of it. Now, I do want to say for anybody that doesn't know what sweet breads is, um, if you don't like organ meat, obviously blood sausage would be out. But sweet breads is the pancreas of the cow. Um, and it's so yeah. tender and lovely. So I love liver, sweet bread. I love uh, heart, lungs, and liver and all that stuff. Like I, I believe in not wasting any part of the animal, like the, 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 the hoof to, to snout. Um, I believe in that. So this place was just a dream come true. And I think I've told you about it before and said, if we're ever in Portland together, I'll take you there. They have yeah. amazing wines as well. And it's just a carnivore's delight. <laughs> so there was a four and a half minute description of my meal. Okay. That was six questions for me. You're on to your seventh. All right. And I've got a lot, so I've got to pick one here. Um, yeah. All right. I have this. I want you to tell me the best non-fiction book because I think the last time we were talking about favorite books you uh you pulled out some shit that your wife made you read before you could date her or something like that so we're not allowed to talk about that one because I'll just make fun of you um (laughs) I'm glad it worked out and you read it and you guys bonded over it but it sounded like a bore fest so best book you've ever read non-fiction and why so are you talking like novel No, like a book that's non-fiction. A novel would be fiction. Well, a biography, right? Well, is... yeah, that's not a novel, though. That's a biography. So you're talking like a... Dude, I'm not sure that I could say that I read a uh, non-fiction or novel. Well, so anything that isn't somebody telling a story that didn't happen is non-fiction. So biographies, so autobiographies... Oh, oh. Start with why, self-help, whatever. Yeah, all of those are non-fiction. Okay, so what was the question again? Wait, and you're an educated dude, and you've been to college, and you didn't know the difference between fiction and non-fiction? I know the difference between fiction and non-fiction, but I wouldn't say, I mean, I would equate that to novels over a self-help book. No, a novel is fiction. Can't a novel be nonfiction? I mean, if it's just a story that happened, if you're telling a story that happened. No, that's still, I guess, if it's a true story, I don't know. That's not a novel. That's a, Did that's you a go to college? Story. No. Yeah, if which I is say, If I say nonfiction to 99.9999999% of all people, they know. So I just looked up novel dictionary.com and it says okay. a fictitious prose narrative of book length typically representing character and action with some degree of realism the novels so of what's Jane Austen what's it called when it's non-fiction when it's a non-fiction is it just non-fiction book yeah it's just a book 
<laughs> Good luck. Or maybe you just call it pros. So you can apologize to me and say I was right at any time for everybody oh, you, here. Oh, suck a fatty. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, my favorite book, essentially, is what you're asking then? Because I only ever read nonfiction. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of lame. And it's not like it's my favorite book. It's just the book that I've hit up a lot of the time. Like, I would say, How to Win Friends and Influence People, and then Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Like, I liked Rich Dad, Poor Dad because of the concepts that were in it, right? And one of the concepts that sticks with me, and it's kind of, I know, I'm a total nerd. Like, one of the concepts that sticks with me was, like, I remember this, and it's, like, an illustration I go to, right? Because it's, like, an image in my mind. When uh, he, he's talking about he was trying to find a spot to put his boat, right? He had this boat. And he wanted a boat slip for his boat, but he didn't want to pay the mortgage fee. <laughs> so he went and bought a lake house and rents out the lake house, which cash flows, and then keeps the dock, the boat slip, one of the boat slips for himself for his boat. So he makes money and now has a private boat slip. And that idea uh, of kind of thinking differently uh, from a wealth standpoint, I always enjoyed. Yeah. Kind of nerdy. I would, I would argue that if he's financing the house to put the boat slip in, he's not actually wealthy, even if it's cash flowing because a down market can change that. But that's just me. I'm a cash guy. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> so that's my Dave Ramsey stuff coming back to, to bite. So, Sorry, all right, good Dave. answer. And I don't hate either of those books. I don't, I will say, I don't think, how to win friends and influence people has uh, aged well. I think it's very, uh, it's almost. Have you, uh, have you read the, the new one, how to win friends and influence people in the day of modern tech? There's a new I one have, that they actually did. Yeah, I have not. And it definitely needed update. And like I said, it was revolutionary at the time and the concepts are sound, but the applications in today's world needed update. And so I'm glad they've updated it. So that was your seventh question, right? I believe so. So I have two more? <clears throat> mm-hmm. Okay, you ready for this one? This one is the one that could get you in some trouble, and we might not actually use it in the podcast. I've actually already named a favorite brother, and you think it's going to get me in more trouble than that could? Yeah. All right. Now we're going from favorite brother to who was your favorite girlfriend in the past, and what was her best character trait? <laughs> <laughs> well, you see how this could get you in more trouble <laughs> um i have to think through this actually uh i think she's a piece of shit now but she was my favorite girlfriend i'm going to say this and i'm going to quantify it and people can judge me if they want and i'm Kind of saying it tongue-in-cheek, but kind of being serious. The girl I moved to Spokane for, Kristen, um, she was cool when I was with her and all that stuff. But I think my favorite part, and this is going to make me sound cold and callous, and I wasn't doing anything that I shouldn't with anybody that I shouldn't, but the long-distance part was the best thing for a year. So we were together for a year, long-distance, where once or twice a month I would come here or she would go to Chicago. And the not dealing with the daily stuff that you deal with in a relationship was bliss. You show up, 
you're excited, you go and have dinner, do things. Um, sorry for the crassness, but you have sex because you haven't seen each other for a long time. So you, you're ravenous. Um, and then they go away and then you're on the phone and you're doing things. And the time difference helped as well. There were nights, so I was further ahead. So there were nights where I could literally at 10 o'clock and it was only eight o'clock her time. I'd be like, hey, time for bed, good night. And you're done, right? You're not staying up all night because you've got work to do and stuff. So for that reason and for the reasons and that was probably my favorite, but she's not the best person and she's not the person I enjoyed the most. Okay. Well, that was my question. Who's your favorite girlfriend and what was her best character trait? I thought I got around that. Um, <laughs> I know. I was like, you just tried to go full politician on me there. Ramble on with a bunch of bullshit. I was like, yeah, you're not trying, you're not answering this, buddy. So let me talk about the situation. And, and then I'll pretend like that was my answer. Yeah, no, that's not what Let I Let me asked. re-answer that then. She was my favorite, and the best character trait was she wasn't always there. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a character trait. <laughs> I was joking. Um, we might have a pause here. I've got to think about this. Um... <laughs> I know some of them listen to our podcast, which is why I said you might get in trouble. I don't think I'll get in trouble. I genuinely think that from a connection standpoint and from enjoying someone on an intellectual level, a spiritual level, a physical level, and just being around them when things were good, it was probably Jenna. Okay. And that hurt because of those traits you just mentioned. Yeah. Character traits. Yeah. I like it. Okay. That was my seventh. Yeah. And and I didn't even, I didn't even talk about her character traits. Like, I think kindness was probably her, her best character trait. And she doesn't have a mean yeah. bone in her body. So, yeah. Yeah, Jenna was cool. I like Jenna. There you go, dickhead. <laughs> Put me on the spot. <laughs> All right. So I'm, I'm not going to be meaning to put you on the spot. Um, I think this is uh, I want you to think about this just from a, an ingenuity standpoint or something that something that intrigues you so what are you most intrigued by like what fascinates you what would you love to understand more about but you're still really interested in it um and would love to know and learn more about it and maybe even do something with it in the future you know it's not like as much uh like a specific thing or a topic or something that really intrigues me as much as i mean we've talked about this before a little bit like the chase of business like i I love taking like a strategy and trying to implement a plan. Like, like I, I love the chase of that. Right. And, and that kind of gives me a high. So, uh, I mean, I've always wanted to own a business, additional businesses. Right. And, uh, and, and, and chase, I, I love the process of winning. If that makes sense. Like I love doing the real estate transaction, right. Because I love the transaction part. I love the, the, the strategy and making something happen. So, I mean, if I could just, do deals all day like for work i love the chase of getting a new client right like that part is 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 fun to me like when you get them and you win uh and and then it's on to the next one like it's kind of a weird answer but i mean that's what intrigues me and i get off on so entrepreneurship would that be a good yeah up? 
Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, it'd be you know own an, own additional businesses and and strategizing and growing and and, and I mean I, I love that type of stuff. And cars, obviously, are another interest of mine. Like just the history of a vehicle too. Like I like to know the history and, and even more so than always how the engine works. Like I'm not totally mechanical, but I love like the history and the story behind uh, like an item or or the car or the house mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, you and I are different on cars. You've got a thing for all those old ones, and I'm like, nah, I want something new. I've got a thing for all cars is the problem. Yeah. Um, so so does uh, – I will talk about that offline, but one of our buddies has got an absolute uh, boner for a certain car just now. <laughs> <laughs> is, his, is his initials PWM? <laughs> they are, yes. Yes. Um, I think he sends me one a day right now. Like, what do you think of this one? And I'm like, well, it's the same as the last one. But this one's in Portland, so it's closer. (laughs) Go get it. I'm like, sure, I'll go get it with you. I've said it to him multiple times. I'm like, hey, if you want to go, we'll fly down there, drive it back. That'd be fun. Okay, my last question. You just asked your last question. You're done asking, you realize. Yes. I was much nicer to you than you've been to me, for the record. Oh, for the love. Okay, fine. Chuck Norris or Jackie Chan? Is that even a question? I don't know. Is it? Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good answer. Okay, the, the real question. The real question. And it's the same question that we posed to all of the people that shared their insights and thoughts, and I want to know from you. 2020 has been a bizzo of a year for a lot of different reasons. Uh, and I, like I said, you know, we've been challenged uh, in more ways than I think we could probably ever even have thought would be real. Like I don't think people thought that they were going to lose the majority of their revenues. I don't think people thought that they were going to be stuck and isolated in their homes. Uh, what has 2020 taught you about yourself, but then also, uh, focus on leadership, right? What has it taught you about yourself? And then how have, do you think you've grown as a leader uh, because of some of the things that have happened in 2020? All right. So I'll start by, and this may be a longer than two minute answer, by the way. Yeah, no, um, it is hard, yeah. Especially because I wasn't expecting to answer the same question we asked everybody else. I know. That's why I was like, oh. <laughs> so I think the biggest lesson I've learned is I'm not bulletproof. And I certainly have weaknesses. The isolation doesn't sit well with me as much as I'm introverted and extroverted at the same time. So I think I'm an introverted extrovert. I am on when I'm on, like when I'm out and about and I'm in front of people and I'm meeting people and working and on Zoom calls and I'm on, like boom. It's just, it's natural. I'm I'm a people person, right? And every now and again, I make time for myself to just be a recluse for a day or two. I don't have any online contact. I don't have any phone calls. I don't, I just disappear and whether it's in my room or away or, and I don't, I don't speak to people and that's like my recharge. And while I see the, the need for and the benefit fits a solitude, I have hated forced solitude and not being able to call my buddies and say, hey, do you want to go and have a beer, even if it's just for an hour? So what I will say 
that I've learned more than anything is that that was something that I chose early on in COVID. And I mean, yesterday, for example, I text Pop and I'm like, hey, I've got calls until 2.30. Do you want to get together and go for a walk? So I met him at my fresh basket and we walked a couple miles just to catch up. I hadn't seen him, right? And I was like, I could call him and we could play phone tag for the afternoon or I could make a solid plan with him and actually find out what he's doing, what's going on, how he's doing, you know. So I've learned to be much more intentional about scheduling time with the people that matter to me. Um, there's, from a leadership standpoint, and again, this is, uh, it's been an interesting year because for all the bad that has been going on, and I mentioned again in the episode that's going to go out after this, so we're going full inception again, um, the, these restrictions that have gone into place have really hit a third of my book really hard. So restaurants have been decimated, bars have been decimated, right? So from a financial standpoint, I've been hit pretty hard, um, although I can absorb it, which is truly a blessing, right? Um, that being said, I've also had the opportunity to step into a new role with work where I've done high-level Miller-Hyman sales training. I'm working bigger opportunities. I'll tell you about one of these opportunities offline because it was passed to me today on a one-on-one call with one of our company's highest people. And he said, I've got the skill set, the knowledge base, and the ability to come in and really woo these people. I almost screamed like a little girl when he told me who I was going to be working with and talking with. Um, <laughs> so I can, and I have to sign an NDA so I can't, say it on air um but yeah so what i've learned is that if you're resilient it's a choice as opposed to something that you're born with so we talked about fortitude mental health grit and resilience often and i think all of those things are a choice because for the past two to three weeks up until about a week ago i was in a really bad place i got covid i was mad I was mad more after I had COVID about these lockdowns because I'm like younger, healthier people like me are bouncing back from this. We're not, I think we need to protect the vulnerable, but, and it was, we're not working in the nuance. We're working at the extremes. So I've learned that, you know, all of these things are choices, resilience, fortitude, and and your, your mentality. So there's a long winded answer. I like it. That's good. It's good. It's good. 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 I'll take it. Yeah. Well, this was our 100th episode. It was. 100. So do you want to tell them now that we're done and we're not doing this anymore? Or, oh shit, did I just (laughs) let the cat out of the bag? (laughs) Ruh-roh. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. This is my my weekly therapy session. I kid, I kid. Yeah, God, can you imagine Stephen if he didn't have this outlet? Yeah. He'd have to go see a psychologist. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny it's funny yeah uh, that would be funny no we appreciate you guys listening especially if 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 by some weird anomaly you're listening to this hundredth episode and you've actually listened to all of them thank you you're weird and we love you <laughs> <laughs> till the next time <laughs> <laughs> yeah so can I ask, just as a little twist, can I ask you the same question as you just I was, asked I me? I figured you were going to. What, what was the question? <laughs> it was your question. 
I'll, I'll look back. Hold on. My question was. And while you're doing that, uh, I'm going to get myself another beer. I'm still listening. Oh, good. Okay. Minutes. Well, I'm, I'm glad you care about my answer. So, I'm still listening. what has 2020 taught me about myself and how have I grown as a leader? God, it's, it's, it's a tough, it's tough, right? Because 2020 has been challenging mentally. Um, it's been an absolute C word of a year. Let's be honest. Yeah, it has been. It's been a C word of a year. It's been a naughty, naughty word year. But at the same time, I think it's helped me reevaluate some of the things that I want in life. And Olin, who is uh, my psych guy, and I were talking about it. And I mentioned it, I think, in the next podcast. And it's just a realization of, hey, what you've said you want, do you really want? Right? It's like, do you really want to do the things and make the sacrifices and live the lifestyle uh, that is necessary to get to this idea of where you think you need to be. And, uh, and I don't know, I don't know if I have an answer to that. Um, I have an understanding of who I am and my personality type now that I will never probably stop trying to grow and, and, and be better. And I mean, even if it means stress, <laughs> I think, but it's now it's that, to your point, the introspective word earlier, taking an introspective look at it and realizing that that's okay. And I don't need to stress about where I'm at as much as find joy in the process of continual growth, if that makes sense. Um, so it's kind of a big psychological answer. But mm -hmm. as far as the leadership capabilities, I think um, I've expanded from a leadership standpoint in that I've learned to when to bite my tongue a little better this year than in years past. My colleague Jake will say, he's like, you have a need to just tell the truth. And, and sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad, right? Uh, there's sometimes where the truth is not mine to tell, even if I know it. So uh, I, I think learning when is the right time to tell the truth uh, is something that is very important from a leadership standpoint that I've uh, worked on this year. Yeah, and I think that's... I don't think I could have, if, if we had asked each other that question about each other, I think we would have given those same answers for the most part. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think that it's not your truth to tell lesson will serve you well for years and years to come. Like, Hey, just yeah. because you know, it doesn't mean you have to say it. Right. Yeah. But, well, just thinking, do I need to be involved in this? Why do I, why would I tell the truth? What good will come of me telling the truth? And do I, you know, is it a situation where someone would be harmed if I don't or not? So good little introspective type stuff, but um, so 100th episode, I want you guys to know Steven does most of the work for these episodes. <laughs> I just show up and talk to be honest. Steven does most of the editing. So I just wanted to say thank you, Steven for your, consistent dedication and for your giving up your Sundays to edit this when uh, it wouldn't happen if you didn't do that. Yeah. I will say it's harder I, during uh, football season. Like when there's football games on all day and there isn't like an hour and a half or a couple hours that I can be like, Ugh. so it's been getting done a lot later the last few weeks because <laughs> football has been good. Um, but yeah. no, I enjoy it. And it's, it's actually good for me to listen back sometimes to what we say that second time. Um, and it, it helps 
you know, like I said, it's, it's almost like a therapy session. So I enjoy it. And I enjoy the feedback from people that listen. Um, I think I shared again, this is going to be in the next episode, but it was actually previous to this one that when I was coming to Ben's office to record the other day, someone said, Hey, I was recommended to your podcast and I listened and I really liked it. And it's somebody that I actually respect and appreciate, love what she does for a living. And yeah, it was, it was an interesting little, that that's something that's been kind of hard to adjust to as well, by the way, for um, you and I have kind of gotten used now to, to it, but early on when people were like, Hey, you, you guys are the ordinary to extraordinary guys, or Hey, I've heard your podcast and it caught us off guard a few times, but it's something I think we've both grown into and enjoy. Right. Yeah. I don't have any issue with it. I mean, hi people. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I'm confident in my goofiness now. Yeah. Um, hundred episodes. Okay, well, yeah. This Done. is going to be a long, sorry guys. In the books. Done. Yeah. Finished. Finito. The end. I'm going to go sit yeah. in the hot tub now with a beer. Do you think we're going to get to 200? I don't know. Depends on <laughs> if you behave yourself or not. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Well, we appreciate you. Be good to yourselves until the next time and to each other. Wow. What the heck? That was not how you say it normally. Yeah, I said it differently just to mess with you, Ben. Until the next time, be good to yourselves and to each other. <laughs> boom. Boom. Can't sign off that way. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs>